For me, though, uh, I learned the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't at church. It was actually much earlier. I was really young. I learned it with, uh, from my mum. She taught it to me. So each night before I'd go to bed, she would tuck me in, she would hold my hand, and, and we would say the Lord's Prayer together. Can I say that's a, that's a great thing to do. If you have kids one day, do that with your kids. And even if they don't quite understand what is happening yet or what you're praying, they will still see what you think is important. And I think that's a really powerful thing. And also, I know many of you are also involved in, uh, in kids' ministry. It's a great thing to keep in mind as well. Now, admittedly, I was one of those confused kids, though. I was a bit confused by the Lord's Prayer at first because instead of praying something like, you know how it usually goes, hallowed be your name, I'll be praying, Harold, be your name. <laughs> and I'm thinking, who's this Harold guy that I'm praying to? Why, why does he deserve for me to talk to him? But then later on during my teenage years, the confusion about the Lord's Prayer also continued because how would I get to sleep each night? Well, when I couldn't get to sleep later at night, what I'd do, I'd just say the Lord's Prayer over and over again. This kind of monotonous repetition kind of put me off to sleep. And I'm not quite sure if that's the intended purpose of the Lord's Prayer, but that's what I did. This, this was kind of my, my experience of the Lord's Prayer for some time. But it's true, isn't it, that the Lord's Prayer has become so ingrained in our Christian culture and in our church services and, and perhaps your upbringing as well. And yet, I wonder whether we have ever truly understood and appreciated the Lord's Prayer. You kind of think of it like that, uh, like that painting you've got at home. It's on the wall. It's been there for years. You've walked past it a million times. You know what it looks like. You know it's there. And then one day you're walking past it and you kind of just glance at it again. And yet it just captivates you for some reason. You see the, the colour and the, the artistry and the strokes, and for some reason it just draws you in. Friends, tonight, as we look at the Lord's Prayer together, even though it might be something really familiar, familiar to you, I pray that you see it in a new way, that you are comforted by it and inspired by it, that you are convicted and transformed by it, that you love praying it time and time again, and that you will enjoy God all the more because of it. Now, there's three things that we need to understand first before looking at the prayer itself. These are on your uh, sermon outlines if you want to follow along. Firstly, is that this is a prayer to be repeated. It's a prayer to be repeated. Jesus said to his disciples, Whenever you pray, say this. So I think it's right that we pray this regularly. But you know what? There's this lie in modern Christianity that says that liturgical prayers or scripted prayers are not authentic. That's rubbish, complete rubbish, because Jesus here is giving us liturgy. He's giving us a prayer that we are to keep on praying. Uh, secondly, um, of course, you can pray the Lord's Prayer uh, by yourself, but I think this is meant to be a communal prayer. Uh, have a look at the, keep the passage open, Luke 11, in front of you, and you might, as you look through, see the number of times it uses words like us and our and we. It doesn't say me or my. And so as we go through tonight, keep in mind that this is a prayer for the body to be praying together. You know, this is a prayer for church in the bank to be praying together. 
Thirdly, Jesus is not uh, only giving us an example of prayer. He's giving us a pattern of prayer. A pattern that shapes how and what we pray for at any time. And so as we uh, come to the Lord's Prayer tonight, uh, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been perhaps sitting on church or how familiar you are with it, we have to keep coming back to it as individuals and as a church. We need to keep asking, Lord, teach us again to pray. So have it, I'll pray, and then we'll get into the prayer itself. Our Father, we, we humbly ask you this evening, uh, teach us to pray. Give us hearts that are ready to submit to your word and to submit to your rule. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in Luke's account, uh, the prayer simply begins with Father. Did you see that? And we have to stop right there and allow ourselves to be absolutely gobsmacked by this. Because like the Lord's Prayer in general, we, we, us calling God Father is something that we can just take for granted time and time again, can't we? But I tell you what, the disciples, they would not have taken this for granted at all. I mean, put yourselves in their shoes. Or sandals. Might be more appropriate. Before them, before the disciples, before them is Jesus. Jesus, who is relating with God with such intimacy that he should call him his own father. Listen to Luke chapter 10, verse 22. It's also printed out on your outlines as well. Uh, Jesus says, All things have been entrusted to me by my father. No one knows who the son is except the father. And who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. So you see there, there is this exclusive and intimate relationship going on here between God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. And so when the disciples hear that they can now relate to God as Jesus relates to God, that is an incredible thing. And so we ask, well, how is that possible? Well, to go God Father, it's, it's to be a child of God. It's to be adopted into his family. I remember because of our sin, we, we're estranged from God. We deserve judgment, not adoption. But through Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, we can call God Father. And so you see, to pray Father is actually to confess something about who Jesus is as well. It's, it's to see that he is the true Son of God who reveals the Father to whoever he desires. And so when we pray, Father, that is an enormous privilege that we are graciously allowed to share in. Now perhaps some of us, though, haven't had the greatest experiences with fathers over the years. But can I urge you, don't judge the fatherhood of God based on human fathers. Because Jesus doesn't. Now listen to verse 13 of Luke chapter 11. 
We'll look at this more next week. But Jesus says there, he says to these, these men, to these fathers, he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God really knows how to love us as a father, doesn't he? He's given us his Holy Spirit, the, the spirit of adoption, as Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8. I mean, why wouldn't you want to pray to this Father who knows how to give good gifts? And you might also remember Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, right? Where, where God is again described as a father and he's just longing for his lost son to return. You know, remember how it goes? And he sees him and what does he do? He embraces him. He lavishes love on him. Friends, that is the God to whom we pray when we say, Father. Well, the Lord's Prayer continues. Father, your name be honoured as holy. Or as we might be more familiar with, you know, hallowed be your name. But what does that mean to treat somebody's name that way? Uh, perhaps tell me this first. Has anybody ever got an autograph of somebody, like a famous person, celebrity, sports person, something like that? Yep, you got some autographs before? Uh, I'm curious, if those who put their hand up or are still thinking, who's got the most famous autograph? Is it David Boone? Yep, I like that one. Clarky, Michael Clark. I see a theme here with the cricketers. Anyone, Sam? Dennis Hopper. All right, anybody else? Larissa? Colin Buchanan. <laughs> I think that just about tops a lot. Now, tell me, guys, what did you do with, your, uh, with, that, with that autograph? Is it somewhere at home, somewhere special at all? In a box? <laughs> that might depend on what you think of the person, doesn't it? I'll tell you what, just to continue on that cricketing theme, I, I got Steve War's signature. Uh, when I was a little kid, when I was a little uh, cricketer. And I tell you what, that was fantastic. I got one of those little autograph bats, and if I had a pool room, that would have gone straight to the pool room. Uh, instead, it went to a glass cabinet that my parents have, and you push everything else to the side, because this has got to go right in the middle. And I still admire it so much. Because this is Steve Waugh's name. It's, it, it, it deserves a special treatment to be revered, to, to be honoured in a sense. Well, in the Lord's Prayer, it's God's name that is to be honoured as holy. It's His name that deserves that special treatment. Now, we don't place heaps of emphasis on, on the meaning of names these days. Uh, Cameron, apparently in Gaelic, means crooked nose. It does. So come and tell me afterwards if you think that's a fitting thing, right? But back in, uh, in, in ancient times and in the Bible... Uh, names, they are inseparable from a person's character and their reputation, right? And so to honour God's name as holy is actually to honour God as holy. And, and why, why, why shouldn't we? Uh, this is the creator and the king of the universe we're talking about here. This is the judge and, and, and the saviour. He deserves to be honoured as holy above all things. You know what the amazing thing as well is? That is the God we also call Father. And so we pray, Father, 
your name be honoured as holy. But do you realise that this is not a prayer for God to change? Uh, it's actually a prayer for us to change. So friends, do not use the Lord's name in vain. And I'm also talking about the name of Jesus Christ here. Don't. And when somebody around you does, tell them, please do not speak about my God and my Saviour in that way. Because I wonder how willing we are sometimes to, to stand up for Jesus when he comes up in conversation. I mean, I, I know it can be hard. I remember back in, uh, when I was working in an office and, and you'd be in the lunchroom for lunch and people would be talking about stuff and you, you'd overhear Jesus come up in conversation and for whatever reason, whether it was uh, it might be incorrect stuff or maybe even just blatantly offensive stuff, and then somehow it always justified why now wasn't the right time or the right place to, to enter in the conversation. I think what I needed to remind myself was, needed to convince myself is that when we defend the name of Jesus, we defend the honour of God. But to pray your name be honoured as holy, uh, it's not just a, a prayer for our speech to change. It's a prayer for our entire lives to change. You know, are we obedient to God's word? Have we put sin to death in our lives? Are we trusting in the faithfulness of God. You know, this is what it means for God's name to be honoured as holy. And these aren't just questions for ourselves, but that we should be asking as a, as a church as well. You know, how are we as a church honouring the name of God? Do we love the unlovely? Do we care for the brokenhearted? Are we seeking to proclaim the gospel, to see people one for Christ? Because if you're a Christian, then you bear the name of Christ. You're a walking billboard. And I'll tell you what, you can't miss a billboard. You drive down the M5, and there's this one after another. You can't miss them. And there's some which are pretty in your face, if you might recall. You can't miss them. I wonder, though, what if people saw a different kind of billboard? What if people saw when they came into Sydney when they come into our community, when they come into our church, what if they saw a different kind of billboard? They saw people who radically love and follow Jesus. Because tell you what, together we can make a big billboard. That is how God's name is honoured as holy. Well, let's continue. Father, your kingdom come. Now, of course, a kingdom needs a king. Uh, and in the Gospels, we see that Jesus is God's king. And we see the power of his rule in the, in the words that he says, in the miracles that he does. Of course, we, we see it at the cross. And then he, he uh, ascends to the right hand of God the Father. So Jesus is God's king. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, we're firstly praying that Jesus would be king of our own lives. But also that he'll be the king of, of other people's lives as well. And so to pray your kingdom come can actually be quite the, uh, a missional prayer. But I think what we're really praying for here is the day when God's kingdom will come in full. 
That's what we're praying for. And it sounds fantastic, doesn't it? But do you realize that in praying for that, we're actually praying, you know, God and this world. God send King Jesus in righteous judgment. That's what we're praying for when we say, your kingdom come. Now, on the one hand, this is fantastic news uh, because we will get to be in the presence of God. We'll be at home with our Father and He will wipe every tear from our eye and there'll be no more sin or death or pain or suffering. And hey, we and this world are going to experience an extreme makeover that no TV show can rival. Friends, long for the kingdom to come. But on the other hand, to pray your kingdom come, it, it's a call for God's righteous judgment on every single human being. Now, are we prepared for what we're praying for? Because I wasn't as a teenager, I was freaked out by the idea that Jesus was going to return because I knew that I was not right with God. Jesus said, the time has come. Repent, uh, or the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, is this something you need to do tonight? Knowing that the kingdom is coming. Knowing that Jesus is returning. Don't delay it. Father, give us each day our daily bread. And so from the eternal hope of the kingdom to come, Jesus now leads us to pray for our daily needs. And you know what? There's a few things that I love more than the smell of hot, fresh bread. Yeah, you with me in that? You, you toast it lightly, get a bit of butter on it and it soaks in. It's a good one for the hub sometimes. You just have simple hot bread. That'd be great. But by praying, give us each day our daily bread, uh, we're actually recognizing something. We're recognizing that our Heavenly Father, He's one that provides for us. And we're not just talking about bread. We're not just talking about food on the dinner table either. But we're talking about everything that we have. It all comes from God. And so by praying this, we're saying, God, I depend on you. I trust you. But then how easily do we confuse what we need and also what we want. I confuse that all the time, what we need and what we want. And so soon we find ourselves praying, Father, give us each day our daily lobster. Because, God, you know I need my lobster. And then very soon after that, we move from this humble request to a demand, God, you owe me my daily lobster. Now, if God does give us lobster... Uh, whatever that might be, then rejoice because it's a gift from him. But if he only gives us bread, then rejoice still because God has given you what you need. It'd be hard sometimes, can't it, when we treat God with this sense of entitlement. But you know what? When we keep praying in light of the kingdom to come, don't be surprised that what you think you need, it actually starts to change. 
And so you realize that you don't need lobster to be satisfied. You know, you don't need that iPhone 6 to be satisfied or that, that car or that house. When you are about to inherit the kingdom of God, and hey, there's going to be a whole banquet there. You know, is that something we really believe? But even Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So God provides for our, our spiritual nourishment as well, most of all in, in Jesus Christ. Do you remember the words that Jesus said? He said, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will never be hungry again. Only Jesus satisfies for eternity. Father, forgive us our sins, for we also uh, ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Now surely it's, it's not surprising, is it, that in teaching us to pray, that Jesus also includes this request for our sins to be forgiven. Uh, we, we know already, we know that because we do not depend on God, uh, because we do not treat Jesus as King, because we do not honour His name as holy, that we're estranged from God. We, we deserve judgment. But Jesus calls us, repent, believe, seek the forgiveness of sins from a gracious God. But as you're reading that verse there, did you, did you notice something else that's quite curious? Uh, it seems to suggest that our forgiveness is conditional on us forgiving others. Did you see that? Does that sound right? But what I think Jesus is saying is that a forgiven person is also a forgiving person. You see that? A forgiven person is a forgiving person. Now, I've used this uh, illustration before, but I like it. I think it's good. Uh, if I quack, that doesn't make me a duck, does it? Makes me a little strange. Doesn't make me a duck. But quacking is what a duck characteristically does and so by forgiving that doesn't make me forgiven that doesn't make me a christian but forgiving is what a forgiven person does and so we have to ask is there somebody that you need to offer forgiveness to someone that you've been holding a grudge against something uh, for whatever reason has happened uh, maybe it's someone here in this room a brother or sister in christ as one writer puts it, I like this little, little uh, picture here. If we get a glimpse of the vast glory of God, then we'll realize that many of our conflicts are like two ants arguing about which one is taller while standing in front of Mount Everest. That's what it's like. You see, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Father... Do not bring us into temptation. Now, we all know how protective human fathers are, don't we? You only have to look at a dad's face when his daughter brings home the new boyfriend. Yeah? Uh, girls, I wonder if you've seen your dad do that sometimes. But God the Father, he is incredibly protective of his children as well. Now, this, this isn't a prayer necessarily, 
for God to protect us from temptation. It's, it's a prayer for God to protect us from succumbing to temptation. You see the difference there? Because temptation isn't necessarily a bad thing. Jesus is tempted. But it's how do you respond to the temptation? So how does God help us from succumbing? Well, we've picked it up already a few times. God gives us his Holy Spirit. The, the same Spirit that accompanies Jesus into the desert. God really knows how to give us good gifts, doesn't he? But friends, be on your guard because the more you seek to live in accordance with the Lord's Prayer, uh, the more you'll be tempted. Because to pray the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's a prayer to be intimate with God. It's a prayer to, to depend on Him, to, to glorify Him, to enjoy Him. And the evil one desires anything but that. At the beginning, we said that familiarity breeds complacency. Friends, do not grow complacent when it comes to temptation. That's why we need to keep coming back to the Lord's Prayer and praying it together. But you know what? We will succumb to temptation. Uh, we will choose sin over righteousness. We'll choose filth over the bread of life, will choose the present world over the kingdom to come. And it's also why we need to keep coming back and saying, Father, forgive us of our sins. But know this, dear friends, that the Lord who taught us this prayer, he was perfectly obedient to his Father, even to death, a death on a cross. Why? So we can be forgiven. So that we too can call God Father. I hope you've loved the Lord's Prayer from Luke's Gospel. It's an amazing prayer, isn't it? As amazing as the Lord who taught it. So let us keep returning to the Lord's Prayer and humbly asking, Lord, teach us again to pray. We're going to have the Lord's Prayer come up on the screen uh, one, a version that is common in praying together in churches. And how about we finish our time by praying this uh, together. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.